welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. So we're recording this uh, Monday, June 7th. It's the week of Parshat Korach, uh, which is quite a Parsha. Uh, it's a Parsha that, at least the beginning, I've, I've been thinking about since I was a teenager, uh, the transition from Parshat Shlach to Parshat Korach uh, makes use repeatedly of the uh, the concept of the holiness of the Jewish people, the um, iconoclastic uh, philosopher, thinker, Yishai Leibovitz, uh, honed in on this and noted this, this um, connection and how in the end of Parshat Shlach, otherwise known as the third paragraph of the Shema, <laughs> which we're told to wear tzitzit and in so doing to remember the mitzvot. And by doing the mitzvot, we will become holy. And that's like a, a demand of, of, of a, and the end result of a life of obligation and commitment and, and hard work. Uh, you know, has this end goal of holiness. Korach, in his rebellion, says, everyone's holy. And Leibovitz said, yeah, these are like two concepts of holiness. It's either something that you're like born with as like your privilege as a Jew, or it's something that is an obligation to pursue and to strive for. And he says this is like a, this heretical claim of Korach actually is a, courses through Jewish history and manifests itself as a kind of Jewish chauvinism from year to year, um, from thinker to thinker, and even great philosophers whom he names, and I won't name, uh, he feels have exhibited this, like they're essentially uh, the followers of Korach rather than the followers of Moshe, because they think that every Jew is inherently holy, and Moshe is telling us uh, that no, actually, um, holiness is the product of mitzvot, not something that you're born with. And mm-hmm. I have, I, I've, um, I guess, struggled with this for really, really since I, you know, I was read, read, I, I read this uh, in like a little booklet of Leibovitz's commentary on the Torah when I was a teenager. I was like, wow, this is like totally like appealed to me as a, as a teenager because it was like very kind of just like stark and like sharp and like I kind of that was like that was my kind of personality back then um, but but since then I've tried to like you know is there is there room how do we like kind of come first to some way of appreciating Jewish peoplehood and something special about other Jews and a bond that connects us um, that isn't that doesn't reduce to like Korach saying yeah everyone's holy you're great you know as you are um, is there is there a way to like salvage some sort of um, like broader vision of Jewish peoplehood that isn't uh, a kind of unjustified chauvinism. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I always find it kind of troubling uh, with Parshat Korach of how uh, how drawn I am to Korach's assertion oh. <laughs> <laughs> of the entire community is holy and, and God is in our midst in every single one of us. And I find that not only beautiful but fundamental to life as a believer in in god that god created all of us and 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 therefore we are all holy we're all chosen we're all (laughs) chosen not to necessarily not everyone in the world is chosen to do mitzvot per se but every single jew certainly every single person in the world has their own chosenness their own kiddushah um their own holiness and I, i find it beautiful and it's really actually hard to to see that uh, Korach is so condemned, right? What's exactly wrong with his claim that everyone is holy? I know you and I, uh, Rabbi Walkenfeld, we talked a little bit about maybe Korach was using it and saying it disingenuously, trying to manipulate the people, right? Saying a very, very clear 
compelling claim, but then using it to get people to try and rebel. That, and um, not just and rebel to put himself to put in himself power. To put himself in like power. Like Manipulative, a... yes. Right? So maybe that was the issue. But I'm not... But the fundamental claim itself, I, I really find beautiful and not... And, and, and essential to my life, certainly, as a, as a believing person, uh, that everyone is holy. And I, right, the different, the different gradations of, not Kiddushah, right? There aren't different gradations of Kiddushah, I think, among us. I think we have different jobs and, and in the nation. I think we have different uh, roles within our people to create a diverse peoplehood, to, and that, and that uh, enlivens our peoplehood and, and animates it, and that's, Okay, that's normal. That's fair in any functioning society. Right? People have different roles, um, but I don't think fundamentally the claim. I, I think the fundamentally the claim that we're all holy um, is true. If everyone's holy without having to do anything, then like what? What? How, why? How? Like what's? What's? Because what's, we're we're children of God. And, and every person is every person. Is. That's not a Jewish thing. That's, oh, that's absolutely true as well. Like Korach didn't say that. He didn't say. Korach did not say that because Korach is not addressing all of the all of the world. I think um, everyone's created B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God, and that makes all of us holy. That doesn't mean that we all have the same task in the world. That doesn't mean that we all can do the same tasks in the world. We all have different proclivities and different uh, roles in, into which we're born, uh, and that does differentiate us in, in, in serious ways. right? This was always I, I had teachers who argued similarly, um, teachers who I really respect and in, in, uh, uh, who would say, you know, it's the most ridiculous claim for Israel to come up and say, okay, I'm, I, I want to be serious about my Judaism now, so I want to go do the Birkat Kohanim, right? Like, that's, that's a ridiculous claim. Now, I think that's a story of religious inspiration. I think that's someone saying, I want to draw closer to God, and I want to give to people, and I have this desire to bless people, and I want to do this beautiful thing that I find is like a mifgasha, a meeting with God and with my community. Yeah. And I think that's gorgeous. And he's not going, like, that person won't be able to do Birkat Kohanim because... He, they weren't born into the role of a Kohen, and that's okay. But but I think recognizing that that motivation is holy, is beautiful, and then saying, okay, there are different outlets for that. And yes, I, I want to recognize your innate ability to bless yeah. people, not in the same way as a, a Kohen can bless people, but but you can bless people. That's very nice. Because if the meaningfulness of a mitzvah is is limited to its commandedness, then it is a preposterous desire, to, as Leibovitz would say, it's a preposterous desire to wish to perform a mitzvah that you weren't commanded because it's, it's meaningless. It's, it's doing uh, mumbo-jumbo. If you weren't commanded, the commandedness is what creates its religious meaning. Right. Uh, but if actually there can be religious meaning that is orthogonal to commandedness, but is yeah. because, as you've just so, very beautifully described, then the desire to perform a mitzvah that one might not be commanded in is quite... Um, sensible and, and yes, and, and can yeah. find other modes of expression. I think that's the that's what I always found problematic about Leibovitz. He uh, famously problematized like being at the Kotel and like saying like these stones aren't holy. Like what your prayer is the same anywhere, right? Because you are doing a mitzvah and it's not different. And and like he, I think he once called the Kotel like a bodhisara. The discotel, uh, he thought it was like yeah. a like a scene of um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And I understand that, but then that also. The problem, the problem with that is saying that mitzvot are mitzvot are mitzvot only for that. Their, their religion serves a purpose in people's lives, right? And that's like ignoring... Yeah. So he said the purpose, if it's serving your, if it's meeting your needs, then it's served, then you're not really worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself, you're serving yourself. No, you you're it. worshiping God and having your needs filled through the worship of God, which is like, thank you, God, for giving us this framework for having meaning in life. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I find beautiful about religion. Like, you and I were speaking about a... A student of mine, like a, an encounter that I had with a student who uh, reached out this week, and he spoke about 
the importance of his reconnection with religion and religious community because it gave him communal and social support. And he said, I found a lot of meaning in, in going to Minyan and in, in doing mitzvot with my community, uh, how his Pesach Sedarim during Corona were really meaningful because on his campus they were able to like go online and stand in line for the kosher food that they then brought back to their own dorms to eat alone. But it meant like they were doing something in community and it gave him this broader sense mm. of purpose and connection that nice. meant so much that not it's like a real practical this is a college student who was your student as a high school student yes. and so the, and and that's great that's a beautiful and it's know. it's just so real that's how because that's how i taught my classes when i was in uh, when i was teaching in that high school uh, in sar i would say i would always push my students to find meaning even in the sugiyot that we were reading of okay what's the what's the the purpose behind this assertion that this amora is making mm. what's the purpose behind this mitzvah and the meaning of you can't do it for every detail of every mitzvah, but I think broadly in the system that works in the communal religion, uh, in the communal Judaism that, we're, that we build that works, we should be able to, to plug in. Not every mitzvah, right? I'm saying like I wouldn't, if I didn't find a meaning a commu- or another purpose that I, or meaning that a mitzvah fulfilled, I wouldn't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. But because mitzvot are, are important for doing the will of God mm-hmm. and <laughs> creating those frameworks of meaning really matters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to human life <laughs> yeah and we see that in other religions as well i think that's why other religions work too and there's such a drive towards god and god-based like faith-based community yeah. so that, that that's my latest thinking on this dilemma that i open with from the study of rav shigar that we've been doing on shabbat afternoons um which i guess is wrapping up now because i think you you, you gotta discuss what we're doing with our next uh, uh. <laughs> Offline, not, not recorded. We'll discuss what comes next. <laughs> but uh, uh, our study of Rav Shigar, we've seen um, a, a presentation of, of Jewish chosenness as something that undermines the hegemony of like universal um, humanity. That that by Jews being different and special and unique and separating ourselves, we prove that there isn't just one way to be a human being. And in so doing, we allow other people to also be their own authentic, different types of human being. And so that's a Jewish, um, particular, separatist, uh, unique identity, an investment and cultivation of that Jewish distinctiveness that actually serves every human being because it allows every human being to be free of this you know, enlightenment, rationalist-like perspective of like every human being thinks is fundamentally the same. And if you just free them from superstition and beat it out of them, they'll all like, live the same and think the same and be the same. And by us saying no, like we're different and special and, and you know, holy uh, even, uh, that actually it breaks down the entire system and, and we prove that, that there is no just one way of being human. And so we can do mitzvot, other people can do their things, and, and that's, you know, that, that, that's sort of a vision, like a postmodern Jewish identity that he celebrates in a lot of his, a lot of his writings, and like, that's like the mission of Jews is to be this, uh, like the, the uh, to, to hold the banner of postmodernism, to break down that enlightenment <laughs> ideal of, 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 of sameness and, um, and hegemony, and, uh, and which is I found very, very powerful, and that, I think yeah. that's a response to Leibovitz's critique that, no, we can like really celebrate being Jewish and celebrate our way of life and celebrate the holiness and the specialness. And, and it's not chauvinist. It actually it, it liberates humanity by us being Jewish and being different. Mm-hmm. All humanity is liberated in order, you know, and, and given that, that space to be their most authentic selves according mm-hmm. to their own traditions and their own values and et cetera. Yeah, I would hope that yes, yeah, our being ourselves more fully allows others to be themselves more fully, even though that sounds like a little bit... Uh, 
of new agey. I, I, I get the, I don't know. So say more. What, what's, what's, what's your, <laughs> what, why are you? <laughs> I want, I, as we're having this conversation, I, I want to kind of revisit or be more versed in the current, you know, scholarship on post postmodernism mm-hmm. and, and how people are thinking about religion in the, in our current frameworks. Because I think, uh, right, um, Rav Shagar is uh, influenced by uh, scholarship and the way of, th- you know, modern ways of thinking about of religion. Yeah. And um, and I'd rather it not sound like a be yourself kind of a motivational post, uh, and, uh, but rather be rooted in real yeah, deep yeah. thought. Because I yes, think there's yes. real s- substance that gets watered down by a lot of, of like course, a of course, social yeah. media and kind of silliness that's, uh, right, I don't, I, I don't want this. I think there's a real deep truth to this. And I don't like it being watered down by you. Correct. It has to have also an ethical core, I think. It can't yes, be. Self-expression exactly. can be very... Um, exactly. Um, right. uh, narcissistic right. and cruel, even, if you're right, depending on how you you know, exhibit it. So. Right. We could say that there are you know, uh, needs that are, or desires that are common to all humankind of uh, meaning-making, and, uh, and then there are also baser yes. uh, desires that are common to all humankind that we shouldn't hold up. And, correct, and, uh, correct, correct, correct. And, and, and in our celebrating Jewish distinctiveness, I think it was, for him, precisely Torah and mitzvot and, and Avodah Hashem, service of God, not, um, yes. uh, you know, a, a more, yeah, a more uh, secularized national. I mean, he's, I think in his writings on Zionism, I think he was really arguing to replace a secular nationalist identity with something that was redemptive and mm. religious and right we saw some of that in our writings in his writings as well that we studied kind of mocking the uh, mocking but like denigrating the like you know uh, startup nation you know pro-israel <laughs> like you know like that that's not actually like our purpose as jews that's not why we returned from exile is mm. to like make cherry tomatoes and high tech <laughs> it was to like redeem the world with like a society Just that was society. freed of oppression and uh, and social the gaps and inequality between rich and poor like that that's actually you know why we, you know, what 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 we're about as a people and mm-hmm. what our national life has to be about. So, um, so indeed, <laughs> indeed, he knocking on me. So I, speaking of, I guess, self-expression, uh, <laughs> I, I I I'm going to take a brief uh, family vacation in about uh, a little over a week or almost two weeks from now. I don't know. Leaving the 14th, Monday the 14th is the plan to to leave town. So. Um, I'll be away at least one Shabbat. Possibly I'll be away two Shabbatot, but I'm certainly <laughs> just let me know. Well, there are two Shabbatot. I'm not giving the drasha, so that 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 I that I am pretty sure of. So, and it's sort of I guess because most of the time you've been here, it's been like COVID times, and we only we recently returned to Shabbat morning drasha. So this is like I guess your first chance as an employee of the shul to like speak in front of the congregation. So I, I think I don't know. It's like a it's an odd thing that we do from time to time, uh, and uh, I think it's it's like a it's there's a pedagogy. There's a Art to it. There's, I don't know. When I like, how, how are you feeling about this? You... <laughs> well, I've been the. I mean, we had classes on this in, in yeshiva about sermon writing. Uh, I like to view it. And you've spoken in our shul. Oh, you've spoken, spoken in other shuls. You're not. You're not. It's not a. It's not my first. Uh... Not your first rodeo. <laughs> <All right>, no. <laughs> no, I'm saying I've, I've developed my own uh, uh, way of going about it. Um, so what's your? I mean, so what's your goal? What's your? What's my goal? Usually, I, I mean, I start with the, with the Parsha, and then I try to find, I try to identify one or two compelling texts that I really want to present and I think are really interesting or speak to something that's a current feeling or, or something that's going on, uh, and I build around that. Um, so, I, and I like to think about it more as a, an opportunity to teach text. That's what I, and build relationships through, through text study, and that's what I love to do always, and that's my core 
that's my core mode. Um, so that's what I uh, do with my sermons as well, just in a more shortened form. And I'll, I'll be more, more personal, I suppose. Uh, I, I do like adding in a personal touch mm-hmm. uh, to things and uh, anecdotes from sometimes my friends uh, will work or students will work their way into my drasha. And that's a, uh, um, I like to also talk it out with chavrutas. That's uh, I feel like the writing process. Yeah, or thinking through. I'll say like mm-hmm. I'll bring my text and then we'll chavrus. That's uh, to just kind of flesh out what I'm thinking and why it's why is this compelling right now. That's what, a very common speaking? thing that I know. Like like, you yeah. know, rabbis far more experienced oh, than, so than us. Hard. Often <laughs> so hard have to a work. Drasha chavruta. Here's what. Here's a theme. Here's a kernel. Yeah. Here's like a text that I find compelling. Here's or here's what's happening in my shul this week. Or here's what's happening in the world this week. Like what are some like Torah themes that can yeah. like shed light on it or. You know, move people to a different place with it. Yeah, right. or compelling Torah that I've been hearing from friends and saying, like, "Oh, you really like captured the moment through a text, and that was really beautiful." So that's a. Uh, I'm thinking particularly about Rabbi Tali Adler's recent series on uh, the Torah of reopening that she gave through Hadar. That was really, really beautiful, and I'm going to be using some of the text she presented um, and thinking through those for a, a shear that I have coming up that I'm teaching in my home community. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we'll be teaching again here. Wonderful. And then I'll probably use some of those texts as, as a basis for one of the drashot of thinking about what does it mean to re-enter uh, into, into, back into life that, that is different than we knew, right? What are the different stages of, of allowing for all the emotions that we have to be expressed, to allow ourselves to grieve and to make space for things to be different and to... Right, for reunions not to only be happy but to be laden with all of the emotional layers that are there. This this um, week's, um, uh, I, I don't know, yeah, this is not a, it's not a text, it's a piece of art, I guess it's art as a text. This week's uh, New Yorker magazine <laughs> yeah, I saw has the had the front cover, it's so powerful. It's a woman hosting like a party, right, in her home, like a I, I, some young New Yorker, right? So she's like a lot of like young people like drinking beer and with wine and like they're in her apartment and she's opening her closet door to put somebody's like light jacket in the closet and you see her closet is filled with like boxes and boxes yeah. of, of masks and hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and like so it's like that it's like we're kind of seeing each other again where shul is filling, you know, and we're having meals together with other people. We're there's smachot, there are weddings, there are, things are happening that are joyous and we're like seeing other people, but we all have these like closets filled with our, you know, the evidence of our trauma that we just came from. And it's, uh, you just open the closet door and it's like, whoa, you know, like I have like. Yeah, I have my know. storage of hand sanitizer that, it, you know, I overbought. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's strange. It's, it's, a, it's quite a moment. Right, right, but it's saying that, right, we're, even as we kind of step into moments that we'll be kind of familiar with, we'll say, oh, well, yeah, I remember how to, Talk to someone at the table. <laughs> it's really hard, <laughs> um, but but they're still gonna have these layers of of sadness, of of complexity that will that's that it's good to acknowledge that it's not gonna be exactly the same. We have all this baggage that is literal and figurative that we're gonna be working through for a while as a society. Even those of us who, who didn't bear the the heavier brunt of stuff it's every everyone's carrying in their own way the the trauma of this year and we're gonna have to find ways to express that all right it's a lot on your shoulders so good luck with these uh with oh, these thank you. i'm gonna have to <laughs> right really distill right those were uh rabbi tali's lectures were were a, it was a series it was a, of a like a lot so i'm gonna think about 
one or two texts. That was going to be one of them. And maybe something it. will happen in the week that, that is worth. You know, I, I I always yeah. feel like that. You know, like whenever like big news happens that like is relevant to yeah, the Jews you have and to like it. you know, well, what happens on like a Friday? It's like you know, come on, like like only an anti-Semite would like do something like you know, like <laughs> you know, like like make big news like that we have to respond to in a you know on a Friday. Like give us at well, least you know three or four days to like you know process it into Russia. Yeah, and that's not fair, you know. But uh, that's a particular talent that rabbis have <laughs> who are able to turn on a dime and address it in a meaningful way. That's, there was uh, a rabbi I, I knew who was what he he was able to he would speak in between Aliot in Shul and he would say something about like relevant to the individual who had the Aliyah if it was wow. a birthday or anniversary <laughs> or you know graduation or whatever it was and he would find something in the Aliyah that was relevant for whatever like special occasion like warranted the Aliyah it was really just, I, I, was... I, I didn't need to know that that existed I, I'm sorry <laughs> that's yeah. too high a bar you know, I, I yeah, I, I I was I mean this is like this I was like amazed as you know as a high school kid like seeing him do this it was like really week after week I was really uh, really impressed um, we have not gone back to the uh, Van Gavra the Gavra so we're not doing inter alia you know so, so you'll right work now, your so, way back up yeah so and even then I, even then I don't know that uh, people are getting uh, individualized you know for their alia but uh, um, that that does that. That that impresses me. Hmm. Um, I, in general, the people who are able to find a resonance. You know, I guess it's not. Look, I think if you, you know, I think what's nice about the weekly Torah portion or the holidays or the haftoras or whatever it is, it's it's a it's just like something to be holding in. Like as a you know, as Jews, you should be like thinking about the parsha, contemplating it during the week. You know, thinking about it, you're holding in discussing it, it over Dis- Tuesday lunches, discussing at my it over Tuesday. For example, <laughs> for example, and then so then just then of course you're gonna find resonances to whatever is like it's on true. your mind, whether it's a personal struggle or something happening in the news or. Like you know, like facing the like no, there's not you know the same issues you know. I mean, we're the same struggles we had in the desert, you know, with Moshe. Like we're having those same struggles now because like people are people and Jews are Jews and the Torah is the Torah. And so it's it's not. I don't know if it's not. It's not like like some magical thing that like a rabbi is able to like oh I connect like you know current events to the Torah. No, it's like if you're just thinking about the Torah, the more you think about it, the more you'll it'll like resonate with you. It'll be a language that you draw upon to speak about things that um, people care about. Um, so I just want to end with like just a, a basic update, <laughs> like what's happening in Shul, because uh, some people listening, um, I don't know, live far away, and maybe you're like curious, and some of you uh, live close, but you haven't swung by the Shul, and maybe you don't listen, read the emails very carefully. Since we've last recorded an episode of the podcast, it's been a few weeks, and Shul is like really, really like coming along in this like journey towards like rebuilding mm-hmm. the kind of communal life that we all enjoyed. Um, 15 months ago or whatever, um, I tell people now if you squint, you know, it kind of really feels like old times now in shul. The tefillah is, is like 90% to what we had, you know, before we've... Uh, yeah, we have hashkama happening and we have main minion happening with, with increased capacity, which feels really nice to have people like filling the shul space. And and lots more kid stuff now, right? We're lots like, more kid stuff, which we have... Uh, Tachabot on Shul premises, which, uh, and we're, we're planning for a month out, right? I send out a sign-up list for parents to volunteer to lead. So we already are planning longer term, which is great that we're able to do that. Um, and if you have a chance to take a look at the sign-up, you can sign up too. Uh, uh, we have Ganshabot happening, uh, and uh, God willing, the return of our teachers very, very soon. Uh, we have a group for K to one happening, Yeladenu, and a combined C Renu Na Renu, that is uh, grades two to five. 
Uh, and they're all happening during Tefillah time. So parents can, uh, ex- with the exception of Tachaba, they're all drop-off groups. So parents can bring their kids, drop them off at groups uh, starting at 1030 and, uh, and go to davening. And so that's really, really lovely. It's it's really been nice to see because the shul is filling up and more you know each week there are people who have not been in shul in a few months or many months and that's really really nice to see those familiar faces. There are new people who have moved to the community who are showing up and they need to meet you and meet our veterans and that's really nice. We have a light kiddush outside. Oh, the uh, kiddush has been so nice. I think people really cite that as yeah. a highlight of saying, oh, "Wow, like we're really back, like being able to schmooze and there's yeah, food and yeah, then, yeah. and we give out lollipops to all the kids who are around and that's been really fun." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's really pleasant. Like the food, you know, we're not having like a hot kiddushes like we used to because we're outdoors and we're, yeah, but, but it actually doesn't really matter. It's just nice to be able to like stand around and, and talk to people and be friendly again and just like socialize and enjoy each other's company. It's, it's a really, I think really there's nice a little feeling. social pressure to bring back the caffeinated seltzer. Oh, that's yeah, the... that, that was missing. Yeah, <laughs> I talked to That Sue. was a big highlight. People kept saying it to me. I'm like, did you know there was caffeinated seltzer? Yeah, you know, caffeine. I didn't know that caffeinated seltzer existed, you know, a month ago, and now, like, if it's not there at Kiddush, like, I'm disappointed. So yeah, well, it's a good so addition, is what we're saying. It and is a good addition. It's not that much caffeine. I think it's 30 milligrams per can, which is like about as much as a cup of green tea. Um, but I'm it's, like fairly addicted to coffee, so like that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like I just have my coffee. Yeah, so this is it'll, this this is enough to like hold you up between the morning coffee and the coffee you have back at lunch. Mm. So it's a little tides you over coffee in between. Coffee at lunch. I don't know. You don't have coffee at lunch? No. no. Not on Shabbos. You sleep or you just, you don't? No, I just don't. It's, it's, ne- it's never <laughs> a wrong time. It's never a wrong time for, for a Shabbos coffee. Um, yeah. Okay. So so I, I guess the, the message is please join us uh, if you haven't already. Join us. Look out for the emails. Sign up on the sign up links. Uh, uh, Minion is um... weekday Minion too. Like we're really we're really trying to get it back. I think there's a strategic aside from the religious value of Minion, which is something that's been like an important part of my life since I was 15, and uh, you know I can speak about that at greater length. But an important service of the shul. I think I think it's a strategic need of the shul that we get our daily Minionim back to being reliable uh, as soon as possible. And I, I know there are like four, five men who came every day or almost every day, who for various reasons are not back at all right now. And so that's like a big gap. If we had them, we'd be back there already. So we need to like Recruiting find, new millionaires. We need some new people who are just like, you know, maybe your work schedule is more flexible. Maybe you're still remote some days a week and you can, you know, sh- show up in the office, you know, a little bit later or um, leave a little bit earlier and, and come to Minyanim. Uh, that, that's uh, a real service to the community. I think it's a service to yourself. I think you'll, uh, just to start the day, to end the day with just taking some time to daven, I think is really valuable. Yes, you can daven at home. Uh, Personally, I find some people actually daven better at home, like, I, and that's that's like totally valid if that's you. I, I find it hard. I, I find when it I'm at home. It used to be me, and used now to be and since the pandemic. Because you like working at home, you're doing everything at home, so like it's it hard. Used to, to be me. I like being. I'm more of an introvert. I mm-hmm. like to be have my own space and time to meditate, to think. I don't like being rushed by the shliach tibur, mm-hmm. um, which is a challenge. Also, yeah. being a, like a, in leadership of the people shul, look people yeah. look to me. Yeah. Yeah. Way, yeah. So I actually yeah. have sped up my davening considerably. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's part of the job. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but since pandemic, it's been like since solitude has been so much a part of the pandemic for solitude has been part of the pandemic experience dominating on my own has been harder yeah. and re-engaging with community uh, yeah. brings me back yeah 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 I, I i it's it's a gift to the community it's a gift to yourself as well and uh you know we, we still have a sign-up sheet for weekday minyanim so we're looking for a confirmed minion in advance so people who so if you don't make a minion people can make other plans but so 
but sign up early, please. Please sign up early. Because if we get close, I can. It's, it's always easy to twist some arms and get a 10th man. But like that's, if we get like nine and it's like right before Mimcha, it's like too late. But like if, you, if we get seven, eight, nine men signed up early, then we can always twist some arms and get, and get our minion. Uh, and it's really nice when women come to minion. I think it's like all the values to yourself are there of like starting your day and ending your day focusing and thinking about what's really important and you're investing have, in your own tefillah. And there are women who say Kaddish, there are women yeah. serving yard site. We have our regulars there too. Yeah. And, and so, so just like... So, it's so, nice to fill out the women's section yeah. and not feel alone. On yeah. The other side of the so, someone wrote an essay once called uh, like a quorum for women is two. A quorum is two women, something that they should never be. Mm. A woman saying kaddish should never be alone. Absolutely. So there should always be at least someone else there who's not right, who's there. Yeah. You know? um, that's, if that framing isn't helpful, so that you can drop the framing. But I, 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 I think no one should be alone. Filling out both sides of the machiza is a value. Yes, I, I, I think so. And the religious state mitzvah, like of tefillah b'tzibur, and I think in terms of the communal value, the interpersonal value, I think is also really, really powerful. Whomever, whomever you may be, whichever, whichever side you're, you're, you're sitting on or standing on. So, so, so come to me. I hope to see you in shul on the Shabbat with your kids. Yes. Uh, if you are a kid, come on Shabbat and uh, have your parents sign you up and, uh, and, and come during the week as well.